Hi everyone, Doss here. Welcome to the show if it's your first time listening and thank you once again if you're a regular. We can't thank you guys enough for all your support. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast to get updated each week on any new episodes. It'd mean the world to us and if you could leave a five-star review as well on iTunes, it'd make a huge impact on us wanting to grow and impact more people. Just wow, that's how I'd best describe our chat with today's guest, Damien Bajaya. Damien is an ultra-running athlete, having completed some of the most physically grueling running events. In fact, we caught up with Damien only a couple of weeks after he completed a 48-hour run. Now, when I say 48-hour run, he ran 48 hours. You'll find out a lot more about that in the episode. Not only is he an incredible running machine, but Damien's story to get to where he is today is one of heartache, courage, and a real gratitude for life. Always an athletic kid, Damien was a handy footballer with a dream to play AFL footy. But he wasn't to know his life would change forever when suddenly at 17 years of age, Damien became a full-time carer to his father after he was suddenly diagnosed with a severe form of cancer. Sadly, Damien's dad, Joey, lost his five-year battle and passed away in 2017. Ever since that moment, Damien has been on a mission to continue to uphold his father's legacy, creating the run for Joey, where Damien ran from his hometown of Craigieburn to Yarrawonga, 290 kilometres over six days, raising an astonishing $60,000 for the Peter Mac Cancer Centre. Truly inspiring. Our chat with Damien was amazing. He talked about how quickly life can change, the detailed story in the ins and outs of the diagnosis and the daily reality of being his dad's carer, his mental health struggles, battling suicidal thoughts and confronting the fear of death and how it has changed his perspective on how he lives now. He goes into what it means to live a memorable life, leaving a legacy and sharing his mark and the legacy he wants to leave on the world. Being an emotional man and why we're slowly becoming more accepting of men to cry and he gives us an in-depth description on why and how he came up with the run for Joey, the level of pain he pushes his body through these events and the unwavering support he's had since starting this journey, plus plenty more hidden gems along the way in there as well. We laughed, we cried, and we actually had a big hug after it all. It was a really emotional podcast for myself personally, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. The story is truly inspiring, and it's going to help you realign your why in life and and what you want to do. Sit back and enjoy the show, because I've got no doubt this is going to give you a brand new zest and gratitude for life. Welcome to the Doss and D Show. Two great mates striving to improve in all areas of their lives. The podcast is designed to empower everyday humans just like us who want to add more joy, energy and happiness into their daily lives. Sharing our real life experiences and everyday struggles, relating to them in a personal way. Expect uncensored stories, plenty of laughs and tips and tricks to inspire you on your own journey. Now, let's go balls deep. D, it's a gloomy Thursday afternoon. It's a Thursday. Normally, we're going on a Friday. What's going on today? It's a new day. It's a new day for us recording, mate. We haven't done a Thursday before, but um, I want you to pronounce the next name. We're looking forward to this. Ah, uh, well, our very special guest, who um, you know, we've come out and we've seen him. Uh, right now, we've been, just been asking the questions. I'm with Damien. What? How do you pronounce your last name? Five minutes later, I've asked again, mate. What is it again? <laughs> Damien Bajaya, welcome to the pod- podcast, He's mate. nailed it. He's, He's nailed absolutely it. Nailed, nailed it. it. I'm very, very impressed. I was, I was actually hoping that you you would stuff it up. Uh, <laughs> I it was, was, was going to go to air. First, um, probably the first one that really got it right from the onset. So, thank how many you. times did they ask? Was it the once? 
because I asked, I reckon, probably three times. So. <laughs> just the once. Just, just the, the once. once. I, I had more faith in you that you didn't oh. have to ask too many times. But do, you have, any, do you have a nickname that you like? Yeah, Budgie. 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 Last name is obviously Bajaya, so Bajaya. Budgie. Budgie. So my nickname playing footy and growing up was Budge. Budge, Budgie. Budgie. Damo. Like Can know. we go with Budgie today? Yeah, absolutely. Right, we'll go with Budgie. Yeah. I like that. It's my happy place. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Well, Budgie, thank you for welcoming us <laughs> into your home. And we're sitting in a very unique setup here. But, Doss, what do you see around you? Ah, uh, Well, I didn't go to the gym this morning, so it's probably a, something I need to actually go and do today. But, uh, mate, the home gym setup is incredible. We've walked into basically... Iron Kingdom, <laughs> Iron Paradise, uh, Gold's Gym on Venice Beach. Uh, but no, nah, it's, it's awesome, mate. That's I, not a stripper pole over there, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess and, and this, this even speaks volumes of the uh, the commitment level of, of you being an, an ultra runner. Mate, you've got the setup in your own house. Yeah, this is the full bang shaboodle here, mate. It's just convenient for me, eh? Yeah. Like, I said before when you walked in, like... I'm not interested in going to gyms. Like, I don't like crowds yeah. like that. I like to do my own thing. I'm very mm. solo. And, like, I think it paints the picture. Like, running is very individualized and it's just you. So, I feel like this is, like, a perfect setup for me. It's it's just me, my setup here, my mind, my body, mm. and that's just how I like to train. Perfect, man. Well, I mean, we're going to dive deep shortly into this, but let's start with your most recent venture. Doss and I were having a chat on the way here about sort of how we're going to structure this interview, but we want to start with the, the latest. So tell us about that <laughs> yeah, 48. I, I like that, eh? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to work back. Well, normally we thought we were like, oh, should we start at the start? But we thought, yeah. no, let's talk about what you did two weeks ago because that was phenomenal. It was something else. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I think I'm still recovering. Like, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. I think. And I said to you before, like, I haven't trained for four weeks. And yeah. that's just like the magnitude of what we were able to achieve. But yeah, so we, obviously I'm an ultra runner. So I've done a few events and we'll sort of lead back on the journey. But yeah, kicked off a 48 hour. We started at 2 p.m. on the Friday and stopped running at 2 p.m. on the Sunday. So sort of a, a venture that I've been thinking about for a few months prior to that. Probably should have given myself a bit more time in between the last one and this one, but 48 hours of running and when I say 48 hours it was literally like there was no going home to sleep and then come back and then it was just kick off and I've got 48 hours and that it didn't matter like I didn't have a kilometer range I didn't have Mm. it was just time based so I just had to make sure that I was on my feet and in fairness like I probably didn't run for 48 hours like I ran for 44 I think 40 (laughs) yeah Yeah, so I was on my feet for about 44 and then you know you got to schedule in you physically can't stay awake for 48 hours and run so Mm. you do have to schedule in sort of like a 20 minute 30 minute sleep um and I think some Where where did you have that it was at what the sleep? the sleep it was in the back of mum's car there you go yeah, yeah. yeah so we put down like a doona we put the seats down and whenever i felt the need it was like hey just open up the back door jump in close it mum half an hour time knock on the back window wake me up get me out and that was like honestly the sleeping was the worst part yeah yeah because you're so jacked up like your body and your adrenaline and like your mind like everything's just really wide so to literally finish a 4k lap and by that, the first sleep, I might have been, oh, I reckon, about 100k in. It's like, all right, how do you just stop running and get in the back of the car and try and fall asleep? Yeah. Like, most people like find it hard to sleep just at the best of times. So, <laughs> trying to... Yeah, yeah. like, so you just... You, and these are things, like, you kind of don't think of until you do it. And you're like, well, how do I now lay down and try and fall asleep within five minutes? 
so then I can get a good half an hour rest period in. That was honestly the hardest part was just like, it was times where I was like, fuck it, I'm not even going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no point. There's no point me laying down because then like trying to get up again and get moving is like incredibly painful. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes I would just like sit on the chair and just like put my head back and just like sort of doze off for mm. five minutes. Yeah. And in this game is like, you don't need to sleep for eight hours. Mm. It sounds crazy to most people, but for me, like, because I've experienced it, I've been through it, it's like 20 minutes is like the equivalent of an eight hour sleep. So if you have that 20 minute and you can get a good, like you can get into your deep sleep, you're good to go for another 12, mm. 15, 16 yeah. hours. I got to ask, you put up a poll on your Instagram right mm. after it and it was, any question about the run? Mm. Mike, you'll laugh at this, mate, because uh, my question was, any chafe question mark <laughs> and his reply was not what I thought it was going to be there was, was lots it photos of, was it no no no, no image oh, there I did send image. you a photo you I was um, on the couch and I was like yeah. I, I, I moved the jocks to the side <laughs> I, just, I sent you off one of the crutch because <laughs> there's always been a bit of a running well not a running joke but I don't yeah. like chafe and that's well yeah. known and yeah. has been for a long time plenty of Vaseline what, what was the people said do you have chafe and I said I didn't get chafe I got third degree burns <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 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 dead set on that. Like, I'm normally pretty good. Like, I, I've got my chafe cream. I've got Vaseline. Like, so I put all that on to start. But for some reason, something went wrong. And I don't know if it was like... Probably an extra, no, an extra 24 no, hours. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. But no, you know what it came down to? And I worked it out. I really... It sounds stupid, but I, I shaved my legs the day before. And this sounds sounds stupid, but I razor shave my legs like, yeah. with a razor. Yeah, waxer, mate. So that like yeah, it, <laughs> it creates more friction. It oh, does, yeah. and because I've got like paint the picture, I've got like these big bulky quads. So like you know, there's not a lot of gap between my adductors. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So yeah, and that's honestly yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. But once it was too far gone, there was no coming back from it. So yeah. the third degree burns, as I would call it. Happened probably twelve hours in, oh, no. so like, so I had thirty six hours to go, and but like when I say chafe, like I was bleeding. That's how bad it was. And the chafe started like in between my legs. Mm. How deep can I go? On go this? Oh, mate, okay, so it doesn't matter how deep. Yeah, we got, we got this so the chafe moved from underneath me ball sack <laughs> up into my gooch, up into my bum hole. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm serious. Oh, no. I'm serious. I'm serious. So it was to a point where. Like I had to get chunks, <laughs> chunks of like anti-chafe cream, and I was just putting it in between my bum. Like, oh, wow. so I kind of kept rolling with the standard shorts that I had on, but then I got to a point where I was like, I can't bear it anymore. Like, I actually, mm. out of out of all the pain that I was experiencing, the chafe was the worst. It was the worst pain, and it was like to the point where I was starting to run differently because I was like trying to create yeah. more gap between yeah, my legs. But then, like, my bum was killing me, yeah. like... So then I got someone... And I didn't bring skins. Like, I don't yeah. really... Don't so yeah. I sent someone to Rebel Sport. I was like, fuck. Get me some skins, just some short ones. Got those, chucked them on. Game changer. Really? Chafe managed for wow. the next... I'm surprised you didn't go with the skins straight up, to be fair. No, because I've... You've always ran without them. Yeah, I've always ran yeah. without them. And, like, I just thought, oh, I'm going to be okay. Like, yeah. well, I haven't chafed for ages. Like, yeah. But sometimes in these things, it's like yeah. the littlest things, like are the things that mm. create the most pain. Like it wasn't even, for me, when I look back at the run and think what hurt the most, mm. it wasn't the lack of sleep, it wasn't running 200K. 
It was literally the joke. Yeah. It was literally my bum hole being on fire for 30 hours. <laughs> well, it's, it, I didn't walk in today thinking we'd be talking about his bum hole. No, bitch. I didn't either. Uh, no. And it's put my chafe during a footy game into perspective. It's not, not as bad. So I want to get into the mental yeah. resilience shortly. But before we do, is this... Did you mention it was a 4K lap? Are you doing that over yeah. and over? So th- oh, wow. So this is where, like, again, mentally, yeah. you're running the same 4Ks over and yeah. over and oh, over. Oh, you change direction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got two options. You can go <laughs> yeah, clockwise so- or you can go anti-clockwise. <laughs> you, got, you got 24 hours in one way and 24 the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, really, I went... What I did was, like, I, I think I went 70K one way and then I went 50K the other way and then sort of went... Well, what's that? 120. And then I went 80K back the other way so i didn't really balance it out yeah because really you should especially on a 4k loop you're kind of landing on one side of the body so you want to try and alternate that because you might smash because mm, like especially yeah. on the pavement like the pavement's curved a certain way and this is like i know it sounds stupid but it's so important for like these runs to think about that because you might start getting some pain through one side of your hip one side of your ankle one side of your foot mm. So I made sure, like, because I did the 24 hour around the same loop. So I was a yeah. bit experienced. I said, like, you know, I, I know what to do. But one way is harder than the other on this loop. It's like one way has a bit more incline than the other. So I was tending to, like, go the way that was a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just because I was like, oh, fuck. I don't know if I really want to go that way for the next 24 hours. So, it's yeah, crazy, it was it? mentally... It does get a little bit draining, but I think... When you're in, like, when you're in that, like, when you're in that deep state of thinking and like zoned in, you don't even think about the loop. You know, there was points where I don't even remember coming back to the start line. Like, yeah, yeah. You kind of just keep running. You're really not looking too far ahead. You kind of just sort of like eyes are gazed down. And you know, the first twelve hours, you're a bit more with it. So, and yeah, it's excitement. You've got people running with you. But back end, it's like there was points where I don't even remember where I was running or yeah. like where I even was. You know, like. You start hallucinating a little bit, and yeah, like I remember, like one of my friends came down, and she she came and she she ran a lap, and I said, "Oh hey," I said, "I saw you, I saw your dog." I said, "I saw your dog back there." She's like, "Who?" I said, "Nala." I said, "I saw Nala at the start line." She's like, "What? What the fuck are you talking about?" I was like, "I said, didn't you bring Nala?" She's like, "No." She's like, "What? It's two a.m., Damien." Like, Why would? And I was like, "Fuck." Wow. And like I don't like I I actually thought I saw the dog. Like yeah. I thought I saw the dog. That's just like what happened. Like yeah. where you go, like mentally yeah. and phys- it's more physiological. I don't know. I can't explain. Mm. You, you can't explain like how you're feeling. It's it's like euphoric, but it's like <laughs> it fucking hurts like shit. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. I reckon we jump back a bit because we yeah, like we said, we specifically thought we jumped straight into the running. Mm. Let's go to where this whole idea came about because mm. I don't. Sit there going, I want to run 48 kilometers straight. Kilometers or, or 48 hours? 48 hours, I mean. <laughs> we'll get your last name right, so that's all right. <laughs> You'll be well, able to fuck up somewhere. At, at the yeah. start of the year, we, we wrote some of our goals. Was yours a uh, three-kilometer run, five-kilometer run in our goal episode of the pod? Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> and how's that going for you? Oh, well, this year it hasn't gone. Was it this year or last year? Maybe last year. <sighs> yeah, last year. I, I definitely hit that last year. What um, are you doing after this podcast? I'm going to go for a run. Uh, <laughs> I'm not pretty training. I'm out of it. If, if we start today, we'll finish on Saturday at 3 p.m. Because <laughs> before the 48 hour, there was obviously the 24 hour. And before yeah. that, you know, we've got the big um, six day run from here, Craigie Burn, where you live to, yeah. was it Yarrawonga? Yarrawonga, yeah. You know? So right so, on the border of yeah. Victoria, um, New South. 290 kilometers. Yeah, 290. Yeah. 
over yeah. six. Yeah. Wow. So like that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. That's painting a bit of a picture for everyone listening around Damien the runner, but there's also and we're having a laugh here and it's great. <laughs> yeah. But I know we want to get pretty nitty gritty in terms mm. of your story and what how it all began. If yeah. you could just start with, I guess, why are you doing this? Yeah. yeah. It's it's crazy because I think if your why is big enough, you'll you'll achieve something amazing, and it's only right to sort of talk about why I am here and why I'm able to do what I do. So for me, like it's not like a crazy story, you know. Like uh, as you can see, like I'm I'm brought up in a in a beautiful household, great family. Dad got sick when I was sort of seven, I think seventeen, eighteen. Like he got diagnosed with cancer, and for us that was like the first time. Because you'd hear it all the time, yeah? Like, And you see it, like, whatever you watch, whatever you read, there's there's stories all the time about illness and sickness, but you never think it's going to impact you. And me growing up, I was like, you know, my dad's my idol. Like, for me, I never, like, turned to, like, footy stars or, you know, pop stars or anything. Like, I never idolized anyone like that. Like, it, for me, I always looked at my dad and I was like, you are my superhero. Like, you're my mentor. You're the one person I want to learn off for the rest of my life. So when he got sick, it was like holy shit, like my childhood hero is now becoming vulnerable to something that he can't control. And that was, you know, that was kind of how I looked at it. I was like, fuck, for the first time I saw pain in someone's eyes. That truly meant something to me. So, you know, dad got diagnosed. We kind of went through the process and it was about a year in, we probably realized, all right, this is sort of not going the way we planned it. Dad had had multiple surgeries in the lead up. And when I say surgery, like, not, hey, get in an hour, do some stuff, get out. It was like eight, nine, ten-hour surgeries. So, you know, mum and I would, would sit there and, you know, wait patiently for just a better outcome, like from, you know, and that was the whole point of him going into surgery was to hopefully come out and we'd see some light at the end of the tunnel. But, yeah, it kind of wasn't to be, you know, like mum and I, dad spent a lot of time in the Peter McCallum Cancer Centre, which I'm very, very grateful for. That You know, they were able to look after him as well as they did, but... You know, that point was probably the most challenging because I ended up becoming a full-time carer. So I think I was 19 when I, you know, deferred from uni, basically quit my job and I would stay home and care for dad for probably about 12 to 18 months. Like it was... And as a 19-year-old kid, like... That's that's massive. Yeah, Yeah, you you should be... (laughs) Not that you should be, but, you know, you should be out enjoying life and you should be with your mates and you should be traveling or you should be you know playing footy at the same time I, this is when I was at Williamstown and I was trying to play AFL and, and all these sorts of stuff but you know mum and I would jump on the train here in Craigieburn and we'd catch a train to parliament walk to Peter Mac and we did that seven days a week for probably three four months of every single year for about five years just because he kept going in and out and like for that for me that was the most challenging part of my life you know people always say like what you do now is fucked up and I'm like nah man you haven't experienced what I've been through like you don't know <clears throat> you know there was points that I'd walk around this house and I'd tell this story all the time like I'd walk around this house and I'd pick up a knife and I'd like point it to my neck or I'd put it in my chest or I'd put it on my wrist and I'd say you know like what would it feel like if I was to just not be here anymore mm. and I like I'm very open about that and you know, like that's something I probably mentioned to mum maybe about a year ago. And that's something I did five, six years ago, you know. And I think it wasn't about, hey, like I can't do this anymore. But for me, that was real pain, yeah. That was like emotional pain. You know, I'd wake up every day with just like a heavy chest. Yeah. Like I'd go to bed every night thinking about what if. And I remember talking to someone recently and his mum's going through the same thing. And, 
we were just sharing stories and I said, I remember playing out my dad's eulogy in my head before he even died. Like I would sit there and be like, all right, if, if he was to pass away and I was going to do his eulogy, what would I say? You know, that's just where my thought process was going because yeah. it was deep down, I think as a family, we knew it was going to be inevitable. Like it was inevitable that he wasn't going to be with us for much longer. But you still always had the hope. There was always hope that, oh, this maybe could get better. But I think we learned yeah, pretty early on that, you know, this was this was going to be how our life was going to pan out for now. But it's just crazy how, like, things turn very, very quickly. And for me, that's why I'm like, I just live with the utmost gratitude and yeah. and love and care because I know... You know, one day we went into a, into hospital for a routine appendix removal. That's how it started. 20 minutes into the operation, they called us and said, mate, we've sewed him back up. He's riddled with cancer. We can't do anything. So we went in thinking, hey, remove, yeah, like remove appendix. And that was 2012. Came out of that surgery being like, your dad. And it was, I remember clear as day, like the, the surgeon said, we've never seen anything like this and we were like holy fuck like i just went in thinking hey like dad's gonna get his appendix out recovery six eight weeks not hey your life's gonna change forever you're gonna lose your dad and your life's gonna be completely different you know and like when i think about it now like i would never i don't think i'd ever change my circumstance to be honest like yes i like i love to have my dad here but <clears throat> losing him has changed my life forever like what would I have been doing if he was still around? Would I still be working nine to five? Would I still be in my last relationship, which I was in for six years? Would I just be going through the motions? Or would I want to be doing what I'm doing now and fucking just taking risks and loving people and trying to get better every single day? And, you know, like I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that's just a matter of circumstance, a matter of experience, you know. And and people say like, you know, but ain't you scared about some of the things you're doing? And I'm like, fuck, I'll tell you a story. Like, and I and I tell this story because it explains why I do what I do. About three days before Dad passed away, the like the doctors came in and said, hey, we're just gonna let you know. Like, and the doctors know when it's the end. Like, they know they can see yeah. the signs, and and we kind of knew. And they said, hey, this is it's it's gonna happen in the next four or five days, whatever it is. So if you need to say goodbye, if you need to talk to him, if you need to get all the family in, do so now. <clears throat> so I said, fuck, all right, well, what do we do from here? I spoke to mum, spoke to my brother. I said, we need to go in, we need to tell him, like, this is this is the end. Just give him what he deserves. And that's mm-hmm. just to know what is happening and give him the opportunity. You know, like my parents were married for 30 years. Like, maybe there's something he wants to say to mum before before he leaves. Maybe there's something he wants to say to my brother, you know? Maybe there's, he wants to hold his nephew, you know? Like, maybe he wants to talk to me. And I don't know, like, we just have to give him that opportunity. And I remember mum said, she's like, there's no way, I can't go in there. She's like, there's no way, like, and I understand that. Like, I, you know, you can appreciate that. My brother, same thing, he's like, damn, he's like, I can't. He's like, I can't go in there. He's like, I physically can't say that to dad. Like, I can't tell dad that he's gonna die. And like, you put into perspective, it's fucking, Oh, that's hard man like that's hard so I said to him okay I said you don't have to say it just come in with me support me I'll say it you know and I was 23 at the time like for me like this is the hardest thing I've ever had to fucking do in my whole life and I sat down dad was in a chair and you know dad was sort of not with it but enough to sort of understand 
and I just said to him, I said, Dad, we, we'd spoken to the surgeons, um, we'd spoken to the doctors, and they said, this is it. I said, I said, you don't have to fight anymore. I said, you don't have to prove that you're a man. I said, you don't have to prove anything to us. You have, for five years, you have never complained once. Like, you never whinged. You never said, why me? You never said, why us? I said, when you're ready to go, like, you just go. Like, just let us go. Like, we're all going to be fine. David's going to be fine. Mum's going to be fine. I'm going to f- be fine. We'll look after each other. And the, the last thing he ever said was, I'm scared. And like, like that's what he said to me. Like, he's like, mate, he's like, I'm scared. Like, he's like, I'm scared. He's like, I'm scared to just go. Mm. So, and like, for me, that's the last thing I ever heard my dad say. So I'm like, how can I go into a 290K run? How can I go into a 24-hour run? How can I go into a 48-hour run and be like, I'm fucking scared? And that's why, honestly, that's what's led me to do the craziest fucking runs yeah. like because when you see someone faced with death that is the ultimate level of fear it actually doesn't get you know some people have fear of heights and spiders and you know claustrophobia like no <laughs> no like this is the ultimate level of fear that you have to accept that you're about to die mm. so <clears throat> i walked away from that thinking there is nothing in my life that's going to happen right now or ever again that is going to one make me feel scared or Two, I'm not going to be able to cope with. So now, like, when I walk through life and, you know, like, there are stresses in life, that's fine. Like, we all get that. But I just know my coping mechanism is so much higher now. So, like, even going into these runs, like, I know how much pain I can tolerate because I watch my dad fight pain every single day, not by choice. I'm going to run by choice, putting myself through that. Whereas I watch my dad sit on the couch in that lounge room doped up on morphine, endone, ketamine, just to fight every day to survive. So you'll never hear me complain about the pain I'm in. You'll never hear me complain about how much something hurts or how hard something is because I've seen the worst of that, you know. And even more to that point, it's made me realize that, holy shit, even what I've been through or what my dad went through, there is someone else probably experiencing much more pain than that. And I was having conversations today about we live in a very privileged country. Like we, we're very honoured that even if we don't have money, we still have opportunity. And for me, that is like incredible. Like even if you come from the poorest of poor families here in Australia, you still have the utmost opportunity to do whatever the fuck you want. Hundred yeah. percent. But if you go to places in Africa and Syria and like even parts of Asia. Not only they don't have money, there is lack of opportunity. So for me, I'm I'm grateful that I'm. I don't come from money. I don't come from that, but I come from a country that we can have opportunity. Mm, yeah. Can you give us? Can you talk about your dad and what he what he was to you? And <laughs> like I know, I know yeah. the, well, the foundation is run for Joey. Yeah. <clears throat> explain Joey to us and oh. the, the man he was and uh, now that you've explained the story it'd be lovely for everyone to know for sure. yeah for sure it's, the funny thing is I, just, I say to everyone I wish you could have met my dad because you'd understand me like you what you see and like my personality and you know how I care about people and stuff and why I'm so kind is one yes like because of my mum you know like I'm very very grateful for her but that's like my dad was that my dad was exactly that like would make time for anyone you know like my i always like we, we've got this thing that we say dad was the counselor of the family mm. like didn't matter who was having an issue they'd come here to my dad you know like whether it was my mum's side whether it was my dad's side it didn't matter like 
I just feel like dad always wanted to get better. And that's where I get that trait from. He's like, he always wanted to learn. He would always read a book or he'd always try and listen to something different or he'd always, if we were out, he would always make a point to try and talk to someone new. Like he wouldn't stick to his comfort zone. And that's it. Like that's basically, but he had the utmost love. And there's not much more to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. But they're the best, most amazing traits that a father could have and portray to his sons, you know? Yeah. It's amazing, mate. It's... um. It sounds unbelievable. I know, I think you're dicky a, a little bit too yeah. because you're describing oh, so much. Oh, I, this must be hard for you, Dos, yeah, too. Yeah, well, I was having a few tears before. Yeah. I think I've told you, you mm. know, my old man passed mm. away from mm. care, but I don't want to make this about me. Mm. You know, every word that you said, I'm mm. like... Mm. Just, you know what it is? It's, I can't even the, put it into words. The like, experience is different for everyone, mm. but the emotions are the same, man. Mm. Like, yeah. sadness is sadness. Yeah. Grief is grief. Anger is anger. Frustration is frustration. Like when you use the word grief, how have you coped? You and your mum, I guess. You know, grief is obviously different for everyone. Mm. Being twenty three years old, yeah. going through a situation like that, yeah. being a full time carer, yeah. even that in itself, like I don't know how I would handle that situation. But yeah. talk to us about how what got like you're still going through grief, mm. and we will forever. Mm. But what what is really what was the foundation? Is it, is it your mum? Is she? Mm. Mm. what is it or who is it that's helped you um to be honest i don't really believe in a grieving process mm. like i come from a european background and the thing is like just ultimate sadness for as long as you know how like that's honestly yeah. like if you come from a european background it is just mourn and mourn and mourn and you'll mourn for the rest of your life and i said to myself well once dad passed away there is no i'm not i'm not grieving like I'm, I'm, there's no sitting at home being sad. There's no stop doing the things I love. So for me, it was like, hey, dad passed away. Yes, there's a process. Get through the funeral, do all that. Make sure mum's okay. Make sure the family's okay. Do what needs to be done. But once life has some normality, it's just kick my ass back into gear. And that was just the attitude I took was, I have no reason to sit in my room and cry. I don't. I had the most amazing father for 23 years of my life who achieved most amazing things, who taught me the most amazing things. Like, I have no reason. I have a beautiful mother. My brother is incredible. I've got a niece and nephew. I have an opportunity. I've got an amazing network around me. And that was the biggest thing is like, if I want to cry, I'll call my best mate and be like, dude, I'm not well. I'm fucking, can you just listen for the next 10 minutes? Because I'm going to fucking cry. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like... And that's the thing is like surround yourself with the most amazing people, not people who necessarily want to give you advice because they can't unless you've sort of been through something similar. But like even for you, like I would never try and give you advice on your situation. But what I can do is sit and listen. Mm. I can be that network of support to provide, provide a safe environment for you to be able to open up about your challenges. Yeah. So for me, it was like I don't need... And people would always say, oh, but why wouldn't you come talk to us? I'm like, because I don't need to. I honestly didn't need to. Like, for me, I just walked away and knew that this is how my life is now. It's, that's how it's going to be. It was acceptance for me. And grieving is just about, once you accept it, you accept to move on. The reason why people grieve so much is because they can't accept what has happened. And that's like plain and simple. That's just how it is. Like, if you accept your situation, you'll start to move on with other things. It's like people who move on from relationships. The only way you move on from a relationship is if you accept that that's what's, that is a part of your life that has happened, Yeah. but now it's time to move on to this next part. If you don't accept it, you hold on to what you lost, 
and you'll always go back to that. Your perspective is amazing, isn't yeah, it? it is. I want to ask you about your mum, actually, because <laughs> obviously you've got a strong bond. You've mentioned her a few times. She welcomed us when we arrived today. <laughs> she she obviously was with you in that 48-hour run because you mentioned sleeping in the back of her car. How much of what you do is for her? Or is there a yeah. portion of it that you do for her to like some kind of, I don't even know how to word this, because you've been through all this together um, as a family and your yeah. brother, which you mentioned mm. too, but is there part of it that's like... You're doing yeah. it for her, carrying her on your back yeah. through all this. Yeah, to paint the picture of my mum, I'll <laughs> I'll line up the mood. Mum is a four foot five little old wog who <laughs> just last <laughs> week complained to me because we ran out of data and she couldn't watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> that was mum. That's my mum in a nutshell. Oh. <laughs> and I hope she's listening, but I don't, I don't think she she's got her uh, she's got her AirPods in, but. <laughs> Nah, Hopefully so, there's some data. <laughs> so now she's got her data back and yeah. she's uh, she's watching Netflix. But that's my mum in a yeah. nutshell. To be honest, like when I first started doing the running and the first run for Joey, the 290K was about doing dad's legacy justice. That's what it was honestly about. It was about doing this in memory of my dad. What I realized from that run was there's no impact I can create in my dad now. Like my dad's gone. Like yes, I've I've done his legacy justice, but I'll do that in my actions every day. I don't need to do an event to prove that to anyone. But what I now need to do an event to do is to help the people that are here and still struggling. Mm. And that includes my mum. Like and that's honestly when I did the 24 hour my whole perspective on it changed because mum and I started training together. We started doing like Instagram live workouts yeah. and we started awesome. w- walking together and it was, it was kind of during lockdown so we had the opportunity yeah. but my focus went from, okay, every time I talk about my story, it's not about doing, doing this for dad's legacy, it's doing it for the people that I can impact. And I think for me, that was where my focus shifted and in turn, it made me realise that what mum and I have been through together is something not a lot of mums and sons would go through or parents and their kids would ever go through and i just think that's special like it's sort of it's created a bond between us that you know maybe we haven't always had like i was very very close to my dad but now it's like hey you know i have to realize that mum is a huge part of my life and Mm. a huge impact in my life and it's just made me appreciate that relationship more now than ever because i think about i'm like i'm a son and I've lost my father, but she's a wife that's lost her husband. Yeah. So I think that is like, that's that's hard, man. You know, yeah. like especially 30 years, you've done everything together. You've bought houses together. You've traveled together. You've raised a family together. You've experienced life. You've experienced hardships. And then you lose that person. And then you say, and like, you know, my mom's not 30. My mom's 60. So then that throws another element to it too because, hey, what the fuck do I do for the rest of my life? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they, they had plans. Yeah, you know? 100%. And like, you know, my dad's thing was always to, tra- he wanted to go on a cruise. And he always said, once my kids are settled, I'll travel. Well, he didn't get to travel. Mm. He passed away. So my mum went on a cruise last year with her sisters and their partners and she did that because that's what they always wanted to do. And, I, and you know, we spoke about it and we said, you have to go do it. Mm. like dad will want you to go do it and like for me now like that's why i just whatever i feel like doing i I do it because i think hey like if i don't travel now if if i don't do these amazing events now like and wait to a time that's more convenient well i could die (laughs) i could not be here or something could happen or i could miss an opportunity so my thing is now like whatever i if i want to do something it's 
it's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to do everything I can to make it happen as soon as I can. And that's it because I don't want nothing externally to happen in my life that I look back and say, I should have taken that opportunity when I had it. Can you talk to us about Peter Mac Cancer Center mm. and you've raised money. Mm. That's, that's been the major charity that you're obviously donating or everyone is donating their yeah. money to. Can you just talk about the Peter Mac Cancer Center in terms of the impact that it's had on you? Like yeah. walking in there every day. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because we went, the transition, the old Peter Mac was like, the, I think it's now the Eye and Ear Center and it's just, an, it was an old shitty building. Like, and it was so run down and you'd walk in there and you'd feel like you're in a hospital. Like you'd feel like as soon as you walked in there, people are dying here every day. But to be honest, like the nurses, the surgeons, everyone there, like they're incredible. Absolutely amazing. Like the support and especially because we were there every day, eight hours, like it was a full-time job. Like yeah. we would be, like we would go sit in a room for eight hours every day, seven days a week. Like we would eat there, we would sleep, we would nap there. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we just became very friendly with, you know, all the nurses and they're, and they're incredible. And then they transitioned to the new center on Flemington Road now. It's like this multi-billion dollar facility that you walk in there and it just, you you feel optimism when you walk in there. And that's what I like about the new center. That's nice, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really good wording. Yeah, 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 you do. Like you walk in and you think, it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be weird. You walk into the old one, you're like, fuck, I feel like like something bad's going to happen today yeah. just walking in there and and even like i you know i speak to the peter mac cancer foundation a lot because that's where we we donate the money but and even they said it they said even like just here just with the families and you know people's network it's like there is a level more a bit more of a level of optimism when you walk in here and and that for me is incredible yeah because most people aren't going there and spending a couple of days mm. you're in a cancer center like yeah majority of your patients are going to be spending weeks on end in there and they're going to be returning at some stage like that's just the reality of you know where we're where we're at in the cancer space so you know we did three fundraisers or two fundraisers and we raised seventy thousand last year for the peter mac so for me that was an incredible incredible achievement but i think for me now moving forward is like I feel like my impact is not in that space anymore. So I've kind of been thinking about I want to move to a more mental health charity. And for me, that's a hard, hard decision. Like the first hard decision was, you know, saying that I'm no longer going to be doing things for the Run for Joey. And I think I I announced that sort of a few months ago that the Run for Joey is going to be no longer. The events are going to still be going ahead, but I don't want to use dad's legacy as a way of or an excuse to do anything anymore. Like... There's so many people now in our community that we need to impact. Um, and I just think my impact will now be created in the mental health space. And yeah, that's kind of the sector I, I want to sort of transition into. Just because that's, I don't know, I feel like that's where this journey has led me. It's kind of led me away from the cancer space and it's led me to this avenue. And don't get me wrong, I, it's the hardest decision I'll make, but it's just where I think I'll create the most impact. So with the journey you've been on mm. and the people you meet, are you? is this a trend you're seeing with the mental health? Yeah. Are people struggling? Are they stories you hear a lot? I mean, it's yeah. obviously the whole ultra running. It's it's a resilient space, yeah. obviously. We'll get into mm. the running mm. a little bit later, but is this just a trend you're seeing a lot, which is why you're going into that? Yeah, area? for sure. It, for me, like one in three cancers are, are preventable from an active lifestyle. How do you have an active lifestyle? You're in the right mental space. Yeah. Like, that's how I look at it, yeah? People aren't 
not active if they're in the most amazing headspace. Like that's just a natural part of being having a healthy mind is having a physically active lifestyle. So I think for me it was like everything I sort of learnt on all these runs was people go through shit, yeah? Yeah. And all they want is someone to sit there and listen and create a safe space to, you know, allow them to open up, to talk. And that's, you know, like even with the vulnerability run, like it's a vulnerable, like what's the essence of being vulnerable is to open up your mind, is to open up your heart, is to open up your soul. Like, so I don't know. I just feel like that's the space that it's sort of mm. moving into. And I feel like if I can impact at the mindset level, well, it's going to prevent cancer, it's going to prevent suicides, it's going to prevent a lot of others. Like mm. for me, I feel like a lot of diseases, a lot of issues, health concerns are created just from stress like that's just I totally agree yeah. <laughs> like you know like even cancer like i i feel like you know like it is you was, know, your, was your dad a stressed person oh like maybe not on the surface level but yeah. maybe deep down he was but i'm not i'm not saying no, all no, no. you know what i mean like i but i feel like it, a lot of our diseases and issues are prevented from remaining stress-free like yeah. and you know you're not going to remain stress-free for your whole life like there's going to be moments but if I can help someone reduce their level of anxiety, their self-doubt, you know, like increase their self-awareness, their emotional intelligence, I feel like that's the space I need to tackle, you know, more so than the cancer space. When you say living stress-free, because I, I resonate so much with what you just right. said then about, because I, I firmly believe that my dad, mm. he, he was his cancer was caused by stress. Mm. And I'll say mm. that to everyone. Mm. But we put that on ourselves, you know, as in, I know oh, he, he, he ran a business, mm. There was financial pressure. He's got three kids. Mm. There's mm. a lot going on. He's yeah. got his own legacy he wants to uphold. Mm. Um, his own values he needs to live by mm. every day. These are my goals I need to tick off. You're going to burn and wear and tear. And, and, mm. and it can. It can spark that yeah. know, disease inside. But oh, where was I going to go with that? You said you believe that the yeah. stress caused all that in yeah. him. And I think I know exactly what you're saying. And it's like he, he, he probably put that added pressure on him. Yeah. And like some, like you have to realize that there's only so much time in a day and there's only so much you're capable of doing in a day. And it's like, if this is how much you can, you, you have to know what your coping mechanism is. That's for me, like ultimately that's what it's about. Like you have to go through your day and know, all right, this is what I can tolerate. Yeah. Most people overcapitalize on what they can achieve and what they can tolerate in any given day from an emotional level, from a physical sense, from a mental standpoint. Like know your coping mechanism. When you know that, you understand that, all right, this is your limit of now I'm going to start panicking and stressing. So like I know, like if I try and do too many things in one day or I try and overcapitalize on how many lives I can impact in any given moment, well, it's going to stress me out. I'm going to disappoint myself. Mm. You know, so like I know now that it's just baby steps and I've got to create a structure in my life that allows me to succeed at my most optimal level. And that's what it's about. And if it's business, structure your business to the factors that like you don't need to be there 24-7. You don't need to, So many people just burn themselves out because they think they have to do everything. Yeah. Like, why? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, obviously you didn't structure your business well enough because if you're doing everything, <laughs> that's not going to last, is it? Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I thought that, you know, like I could do this whole 48-hour challenge by myself, well, there's no way. Like, I've got a run coach. I've got a strength coach. Yeah. I've got people that I talk to for my mindset. If I had just said, hey, I'm just going to run for 48 hours. I'm going to do my own programming. 
from a strength and a run perspective, there's no way I would have fucking done it. Mm. I love what you said about legacy because we were talking about that on the way up a little bit. Mm. You're impacting many mm. through what you do, which is awesome. And your dad has now impacted so many mm. as your dad did mm. while he was alive and when he passed away, Dos. But and, and now through you and Leanne and everybody else. But for the everyday person, because mm. legacy and impact is something we mm. I seem to talk a lot about with people yeah. around me. How does the everyday person that doesn't have a huge audience how can they impact the people around them in a positive way well first you have to know what is it you want to try and impact you can impact different things yeah it has to align with your why Mm. my why is you know like i've got it written up in my room it's like i want people to see past the realm of possibility and that's what i that's what i try to achieve every day but then under that is like there's so much more i want to support people i want people to know that they're loved and cared for i want to create a community so like your legacy is whatever you want it to be, but you have to know what your why is. You have to know what what's the core. What what message are you trying to get across? Yeah. You know, like you can't be lost in your life and then try and impact people around you. You can't be negative in your life and try and put a positive spin on the people around you. You know, you can't have endless amounts of self doubt, but then try and help someone else increase their, you know, self awareness. Yeah. You at your core, work on you. Yeah. Work on being the best person you can be and you'll influence the people around you via your actions. 100%. I, I never like go around preaching things just in words. Like I'm yeah. able to sit on a podcast now and preach everything I do because I back it the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like that's it. You see me on Instagram training every fucking day and then you see me do a 48-hour run because I'm working. Yeah. Every day. Don't think this mag- this thing happens magically. And then in turn, people follow. Like, and that is the way of the world now, yeah? You do something and people will follow. For me, I never want to do anything to get social media likes. Like, yeah. I never want to fucking do that shit. Like, I use social media as a platform to help people elevate. And my thing was, if out of all this, I'm the only one who gets recognition, I'll stop doing it tomorrow. Mm. Like, I'll stop doing it tomorrow. But if the people around me elevate themselves to see a different direction they want to take in life, to understand maybe they haven't been the most amazing friend or boyfriend or girlfriend, or you know maybe they, they haven't self-developed enough to the point where they thought they're comfortable in their life. Like if I've given someone just that little trigger, but that's done through my actions, yeah? Yeah. I can't just post a quote on Instagram and think that I've changed someone's life. I can't just have one conversation with someone. Like, you have to live and breathe it, yeah? yeah like, every day. I go to work and I have 150 conversations every day. Yeah. Why? Like, do I get home and am I, am I fucking drained? Absolutely. <laughs> like, you understand? Like, I know people's lives inside and out. I know every fucking problem. But it's because I sit there and I'll listen. And I don't care if you drain my life. I don't care if you take my time away because I know I'm going to create impact. Yeah. But don't think you can create impact from one call or one social media post or one story or like one thing you do. Like I've been doing this for sort of two and a half years straight now. And like I had this conversation with you guys off air and it was like, I'm probably at a point where I'm a little bit burnt out. Like mm-hmm. I am, Like I'll be honest, That's I'm the first to admit it. But it's because like, it's not just the training, it's not just the events, it's the everyday conversation. And that's hard, man. Like, the emotional conversation is fucking hard. I was just, that leads into my question beautifully. And that is being the positive one. Mm. And I know, you know, mm. you're the first to admit, oh, yeah, I'm not positive all the time. Mm. But 
that's what everyone sees you as. You are this mm. humble, bubbly, energetic, mm. driven, mm. inspirational, mm. you know, brave, courageous person. But you're in mm. front of us saying that you're burnt out. Yeah. The reality of that is you're a human. Yeah. 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 But I don't hide it either. Yeah. Everyone knows how inspiring I am, but everyone knows how emotional I am. Yeah. <laughs> All of my network have probably seen me cry, mm. have probably said, seen me say that I'm not okay. Mm. And that's the thing is I never put a positive spin on everything. Like if you go back and look at my social media or look or what, like if I'm feeling shit, you're going to know about it. And if I can fucking listen to you, you can listen to me for five minutes. <laughs> like that's yeah, how I look no, at it. Like if I can fucking yeah. listen to you for hours on end, you can listen to me ramble for one minute of your Instagram <laughs> to listen to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's yeah, how I am because very powerful, yeah. I'm, I'm an open book. Like, and I know you guys said at the start of this, hey, how deep do you want to go? Fucking as deep as we want to we go. We went bitch and bumhole straight away. <laughs> yeah. we went deep. We, yeah, yeah, but that's that's yeah. My, that's how I live. Yeah, yeah. like I, I live. I'm either this extreme or I'm that extreme. I don't ever sit anywhere in between because I do everything with the utmost emotion. Has that always been the case? And I wanted to ask about the crying that you've mentioned. Something we've talked about on this show mm. is the stigma around men crying mm. and, and that whole thing. So, is this? Have you always had this, or is this after? the events of your dad and if so how do you go with mm. being that person and being able to cry yeah i think i haven't always been like this i feel like it's probably come out more more now one it's more acceptable yeah yeah mm. it's more acceptable now for us men to cry because we're all sort of standing up for the same thing now is like you know we're all pushing a message but two i think the more i've worked on myself the more i've understood how powerful vulnerability is yeah and that ultimately is why i've now exposed myself to whatever and you can't criticize me for being emotional no. like <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like I, i'm not i'm not scared of being judged so for me this is who i am like i express my i've always expressed my emotion but i've never expressed it so freely to everyone and that comes down to having now having a platform to be able to do that yeah. like and and that's what it comes down to is like we now have a social media platform that allows us to expose ourselves to the world and that's that's fine but I've always, since dad passing away, I've just said to myself that everything I do is going to be based off authenticity. And as long as I'm authentic in myself and in my actions and my approach, I can never be judged for anything. And to this day, like, I've never, ever had anyone be like, you're a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, no one, and if you say I'm a pussy, I will give you the biggest fucking right hand you ever see. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. care. Yeah. Don't care. Because the stigma around what you say is why we're in this position. That's right. Is why yeah. it's not acceptable for us men to speak out about anything. And then I'm also like very emotional towards trying to get females to understand is the hardest yeah. part too. Yeah. Like we can, you know, I go to a lot of men's groups and that's men supporting men. We're only half the fucking population. We're, we're trying to, you know, be as supportive as we can towards women and the issues they're facing in society. Yeah. But for me, it's also about getting them to understand the stigma that we've had for centuries and thousands of years like such a good point. and that's fucking hard man like and I, so what i've tried to do is now all right i can start a group of men supporting men mm -hmm. i can but like we need women to support us and we need us to support women mate we're one big fucking society yeah we don't function without each other we started off we started this with the intention for men yeah and we like probably even like a few months ago, we thought to ourselves, we're like, we're getting more females mm. that are actually listening mm. and enjoying the show, mm. probably more so than the males. Yeah. 
and we thought why like why do we even think about just targeting for men like we, yeah. we should be targeting it or mm. both male female between mm. the ages of whatever age yeah. but I love what you said too because there's a whole stigma and this is a rabbit hole and it, it can be sometimes a dangerous rabbit hole to go, go down fuck but, it do it go but just like crawl your way back out <laughs> <laughs> I already I already I already off air luckily yeah I was just gonna say like we are talking to one of our guests who we did a few weeks ago and, and he runs a gym and he was talking and we are talking about people in our society that mm. have have committed suicide and how many there mm. are and a lot of them were men and he said running a gym like a lot of the issues they had was they were feeling like a lot of men were being suppressed mm. in terms of they can't be and I know this I hope this doesn't sound as um, mm. toxic masculinity or anything like that but it's like men a lot of men aren't allowed to be men anymore mm. we don't know what being a man is mm. and yes there's all these great things that we're pushing mm. towards and well, um, you know, we should be vulnerable and open mm. and mm. able to be mm. emotional, like you're saying. But there's still a side of men mm. like we have testosterone and we have, mm. you know, we got all mm. these issues to deal with. So, I just w- wanted to know your opinion on sort of that. Oh, whole... Why do we have to define it? <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's For me, what... it's yeah. just like, yeah. why even be like, what is a man? What is a f-? like? Exactly, you don't yeah. even need to define it because, like, <laughs> whatever it is, it fucking is like. Just run your own race, yeah. be your own person, live by your own values, have a core message that you want to push to yourself more than anything, and then not give a fuck about what someone else is doing. Like that's The thing is, we everyone wants an opinion. That's all it comes down to now. It's like, everyone wants to have a say about something. You know, all right, yes, everyone can have a say, but some opinions are just fucking bullshit. Mm. Like, that's just simple. Like, plain fact is... You don't have to define anything. You don't need to look up the dictionary and it says man and then it gives you a full definition yeah. of what mm. we are. Yeah. Like everyone's got their own version, yeah? Like we're just humans. Mm. Like don't define it. Be your own person. Learn what you fucking want to achieve in life. Like learn, you know, like my thing is I always said to myself when I die and someone gets up in my eulogy, what do I want them to say about me? And that's how I live my life. He's like, what do I want people to remember me for? Sometimes I play my own eulogy in my head. Mm. This is what I want someone to say about me. And like, you know, going back to like society and def- like, you don't need to define it. Just don't define it. Like, Because no. as soon as you try and define it, you're never going to come up with one definition. I promise yeah. you that. If you go to every... Because someone's going to say, oh, he's got that definition. I'm going to make up my own definition. It's opinion. It's just it's just funny with the like there's just conflicting messages everywhere in social yeah. media like it's great like for for someone like you a lot of our guests yeah. are doing wonderful things and putting positive messages simplifying yeah. life like you've just simplified a yeah. a very complex yeah. issue which is going yeah. on but I just think yeah I, so I, for me like I'm not trying to define what a man is mm. I'm just trying to show you that there are other sides to us yeah yeah against the grain like this is the grain this is what people think of us. I'm just trying to show you that we're not all the same. Some people want to be masculine. They want to be alpha male. They want to not cry. Fine. That's okay. But I'm just trying to show one, other men. And two, like other people, that there is more to us. And that's Mm. the same with women, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. They can show their other side. Like they're the most vulnerable and emotional and like more so than men. But why can't they show that they're strong and powerful and... Yeah, you know, can succeed in business and can fucking run ultra like well like, people, well yeah, people. like yeah. just do your thing, man. Don't yeah. fucking worry about so, anyone else. I um, I was just gonna say like a quick example of that. Like I worked at St Kilda Footy Club, mm. worked in the men's program and the mm. female program, and I'll be honest, 
like the women's footy at the beginning i was a bit mm. oh this is different it's foreign yeah i enjoyed working with the girls yeah. more than the afl males i don't yeah. i don't i don't think anyone from the secure football guys gonna be listening <laughs> i hope they are and if they are fuck them <laughs> but but the, the girls were incredible yeah like and a lot of them were say tomboys and obviously grew up with you know mm. playing footy with mm. brothers and whatnot mm. but it just changed my perspective on and mm. exactly what you just said mm. why can't they why can't 100%. they you know just stop judging like yeah. society just and it's no it's not it's never gonna happen yeah like let's be honest like you know i can create change people can create change and i'll continue to do that as long as i'm breathing society's always going to judge yeah. Like that's that's the thing. My thing is, I'm just going to surround myself with the people I want to surround myself with. Mm. And if you're not part of that network of friends that I want to be around, you're not coming into my life. Yeah, and mm. that's it. Yeah, we we did go down a bit of a hole, then didn't we? Yeah. A bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> we, we could keep going with that. Oh, like, I know, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, we've been going nearly an hour, so we don't want to keep you going too much. Oh, longer, I bet I'll go all night. You can stay for dinner. <laughs> oh, Mom, beautiful. Mom, what's for dinner? <laughs> I, um, I want to get into the actual running aspect and like, uh, and all of that has been amazing, mate. And I'm going to, I can guarantee I'm going to get in the car on the way home and probably blast some music and have a cry. Yeah. Seriously, uh, that's how much it's been good for me. But running from Craigieburn to um, Yarrawonga, mm. Was there why like was there a message like why Yarrawonga? Was there a reason? And before you do, we got a lot of international listeners now. So how many kilometers is that for people that? Yeah. Aren't so okay. So basically, I ran from the last Metro Melbourne suburb, which is Craigieburn, which it is. Yeah. It's like the last yeah. Metro Melbourne suburb, and I ran picture just running straight north to the border of New South Wales and Victoria. Mm-hmm. So that's two hundred and ninety kilometers. Cool. Why Yarrawonga? Because that was a family holiday destination since I was five years old. We would go there every single year for two weeks over New Year's. The whole family, there'd be 40 of us, and we'd run amok for two weeks. Beautiful. For as long as I can remember. So when Dad passed away, we got together as a family and we said, hey, let's keep this memory going. Let's still go to Yarrawonga as a family, but let's instead of going over New Year's, we'll go on Dad's birthday, which is the 5th of March. So now every year on dad's birthday, we go for one week, but now the family's extended because we've got grandkids now. The family's like now 50 of us, 60 of us. Like it's, we book out the whole resort. Like there's, I think 35 rooms in this place. We book out like 25, 30 of them. Like, so that's what we started doing. And then that's that's how the run came up because I was always thinking, oh, I want to do something. I want to raise some money. I'm starting to get into running because I started therapeutically running, but I really want to raise money for the Cancer Foundation. And then the first year we went up to Yarra, mum and I drove in the car and I was like, mum, I think I fucking got it. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, fuck it, I'm going to run to Yarra next year. And she's like, don't be stupid. She's like, you're a f-. She's like my mum swears. She's like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I said, oh, geez, my mum's a fucking pocket rocket. But I was like, that's, I said, and I didn't even know. I was like, let me check the kilometres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me check the distance. Check the distance. At the time it said 200 and... 50 something I was like oh fuck but then I was like oh that's by car yeah. <laughs> I'm going by foot <laughs> put it in by foot it was like 290 I was like shit I was like oh well can I do it in one hit uh, probably not well no definitely not like, I can't how do I break that down so in the car I just started generating ideas alright I want to raise money like how much do I want to raise mum was like, awesome. like I was like fuck it I'm going to run 100k 
That's what I said. I was like, $100,000. <laughs> got to Yarrawonga, got on my Instagram live. Hey guys, had this awesome idea. Next year on the, and I worked out the day, it was like six days, all right? On the 29th of Feb, I'm going to kick off from my house in Craigieburn and I'm going to run to Yarrawonga. And on the 5th of March, I arrive on dad's birthday in Yarrawonga. Announced it, put it on Instagram, went ham, like everyone just fucking, this whole thing went bananas. And then I sat back and I was like, how the fuck do I raise 100K? <laughs> like, how do I raise 100? Like, think about trying to raise $100,000. Like, it's so hard. Mm. So then I was like, all right, spent a week in Yarra, thought about some ideas. First thing I was like, how do I train for it? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't ran before. Not that I haven't ran before. Like, I've never ran more than 10K. Yeah. Like, I wasn't a runner. Well, we haven't talked about his background, but sport, footy. Yeah. All growing up, I played footy, but Mm. footy is a very anaerobic sport. Yeah. yeah? Like, complete opposite to running distance. Mm. Like, it's just complete opposite. Now that I've done it, it's completely different. And, like, I was never a good runner. Like, paint the picture. I was always the worst in my time trials. Like, I just just was never fit. So then I was like, shit, I've got to run 290K. Like... Who do I even engage? Like, what do I do? Like, I don't even know. Came back, like, everyone started sort of just helping out. Like, I had a graphic designer. I said, dude, I'll do a website for you. I'll do all your graphics, all your social media for free. He's like, it's going to a good cause. Like, so that was incredible. Did a website, did all that, which was just like, that was the most incredible part. Like, that was the stuff you need to <laughs> to get your message out there. Mm-hmm. Then the next part was like, all right, what's an ultra coach look like? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've never even ran an ultra. I've never ran more than 10K. So I found a coach. I found a strength coach. Started programming. And that was it. I spent the next 12 months raising money, doing fundraisers, networking with businesses, getting sponsorship, busting my ass, training. Was only working like two, three days a week to focus on just doing this. And then got to the run, did the run. We got to the end of the run and had raised $60,000. And I was like, all right, I didn't hit 100 but I hit 60. That's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. Incredible. When I didn't even think I was... I said 100, but I was like, I'll probably raise 10, 20K. Exactly. Why not? Why, why put a yeah. ceiling on it? Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like, to be honest, I got to the end of it and I was like, that is what community is about. Yeah. Like, That's amazing. So, and that was it. And then, you know, we generated the idea. I was like, all right, I'll do something. Could keep this momentum going. We can't with the idea of the 24-hour... Did that, we raised another 10 grand, um, which was amazing because we we went back to the same well to get money. Yeah, like, yeah. And we you know, we still kept a local community. We, we did it around the Maribyrnong River. But the 24-hour was incredible because everyone was like, fuck, this guy did a 290K. We'll see what he can do on it. The momentum had started building, yeah? So in the first one, there was doubt. Like everyone's like, you're not going to be able to do it. Like, dude, like you're not going to run... 49k day after day after day for six days and i'm like fuck you i will (laughs) like that was my attitude i was like watch me yeah did it and then everyone started just being like dude like you'll be crazy but we know you're gonna do it like (laughs) the 24 hour yeah and then when i did the 48 hour everyone's like yeah we're not even doubting you anymore because we're just gonna look fucking stupid and that's what happened man he's like and it just comes down to i put in the work and you see the outcome but Mm. You know what we were able to achieve in the meantime with the people in the community like the 24 hour we had probably 
60, 70 people come and run, the 48-hour, we probably had over 100. Like, mm. just, you know, like the 48-hour run, there was, it was like 3 a.m. And I had like this group of guys come and just tap me on the shoulder and they're like, oh, you, Damien? I was like, yeah. They're like, oh, bro, we just saw like an Instagram post, like story, someone was here and we just wanted to come and give you some support, man. And like, it was How like 3 a.m. on a Saturday night. It was a bunch of lads. Me. Was it just... a hallucination, was it? You could be right. No, I, I better ask her. I better go back and look at the footage. But yeah, man, like, but that just is a testament to like wow. what we're able to, Community. like for some random bunch of guys to rock up at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and just be like, we never met you. We just wanted to come and just run a lap just to support you. That's incredible. No, I, I just want to acknowledge you. Dang it. <laughs> Budgie. You know. Because... Uh, How do you say my last name? <laughs> I got him. I knew I'd fucking get him. I knew it. And, and he's going to do the intro as well. <laughs> You just listen back to the start. Yeah, I will. I'll go back to the start and I'll uh, I'll get it from there. I I was like, I was hoping you weren't gonna. (laughs) I knew you'd forget it. I knew it. That's okay. I will honestly say throughout the intro, I was like, what? Like I kept trying to repeat it. Can you just think what? What is it? Bajaya. <laughs> Bajaya. Bajaya, mate. Bajaya. Fucked it oh. up. See, I knew it. It's okay. You can go back to your sentimental message now. Oh, yeah. Well, now, I, can't, I can't go. <laughs> nah. I can't do it now. Uh, no, nah, mate, I just want, like... I just want to say how much this has helped me. Yeah. Like I said, I'm going to I'm gonna go home and really reflect on what I want to be. Mm. And, yeah. and be as a person. Yeah. And my legacy. And, and I mm. thought I did that. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think we both do that. I but it's, it's just made me reevaluate not necessarily my meaning, but especially the connection with, with my father and your father. Like, mm. um, it's, it's probably, I, I felt some guilt around that mm. throughout these last four years in mm. terms of, you know, what, what I could have done or what could have happened. And uh, hearing you, someone who's gone through the same thing, it's, it's made me realise that it's, it's all right. Yeah. You know? Both of these. Yeah. I think um, today's podcast is, uh, I know a lot of our listeners will think the same. It's just a lesson on perspective. Mm. I think... You know, there's just so much to take home. So, I mean, I want to thank you too because I've been soaking you a week about a, about a little corky in my quad and I might not get up this weekend to play. <laughs> you got no I'm going to rub some deep heat and I'm going out on Saturday. So, um, but um, yeah, mate, I think it's just been amazing. I mean, I could talk to you forever. Like, I would love mm. to do another podcast mm. with you one day and just go down rabbit holes because I think mm. you've got so much, um, so much to say and so much wisdom. Mm. So... Mate, just want to, for me as well, I need to just meet you today, but just want to say thank you. You've made a big impact on us. I appreciate it. And at the end of the day, like this, for me, it's all about networking and mm. everyone's got a story and everyone, you know, has has a purpose. It's just about how strong is that purpose and that yeah. why. And I think for both of you, it's like keep going on the journey that you're on because you're starting to develop a strong why. It's just about how can you build that now, yeah. and how because you can have a why, but you can always make it stronger, mm. and that's what I try and do every day. Is like, how do I have more purpose in everything I do, mm. you know, and more conviction? Yep. And I think you, you boys will get there. But Thanks, thank man. you what, for having what, me as a guest. What are your socials? Um, my Tinder is now. I've got a partner now, so oh, I'll take that. that. Is, oh. <laughs> She would have a very good laugh about it. She knows, <laughs> she, she knows my past. <laughs> but um, no, nah, just... Oh, you, uh, this Okay, this is what I'm going to say. I always say this at the end of... Because people ask me, hey, how do we follow you? So my, my, my socials, it's Damien.Bajaya on Instagram, Damien.Bajaya on Facebook. Don't give a fuck about that. But if you're going to follow me, engage with me. Yeah. 
that's it. That's all I ask. Like, don't follow me just to be like, oh, this dude's cool. Like, engage with me, connect with me, talk to me. Let's have a conversation. So that's what I'll wrap it up on. Awesome, mate. Awesome. Thanks, Budge. No worries, Legends. Thanks, Thanks mate. Thank you.